Thank you for listening to the sermon audio podcast from Greenwood Baptist Church in Weatherford, Texas. Now here's a message from one of our pastors. All right, well, if you don't know me, my name is Austin Cooper, and I'm the outreach pastor here at Greenwood Baptist Church. And a funny little story about the Lord's Supper is that's actually how I got into church and guess ultimately kind of why I'm up here. Um, but it's probably not as holy as you think of a story because my friend invited me when I was about 12 years old to church, and he said, hey, we do this thing called the Lord's Supper, and I know where they store all the elements. And so we snuck out of the service right at the first song, and we found where they stored all the grape juice and all the bread, and we just ate our little heart's desire, and uh, now I'm up here preaching, and so God has a sense of humor, and praise God, right? (laughs) But today we'll be in Matthew chapter 5, and we're going to look at verses 14 through 16, and it's a pretty famous passage where Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and he says that we are the light of the world. And I think that, uh, especially after a week like we just had, um, you know, we can feel the weight of our society becoming darker and darker and darker. And, you know, we are called to lament, we're called to mourn, we're called to feel convicted about the darkness that is taking place in our societies this week and also just as it's progressing. Um, But I think also the temptation for us is sometimes to kind of just keep to ourselves and stay in our huddle and just basically pray for Jesus to come back to take care of it all. But what God is going to show us and what I hope to show us in this passage is this, is that when society is the darkest, that is actually when Jesus Christ's light can shine the brightest. And we are called to be a part of shining his light in a dark society. And so here in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 through 16, we're going to see three main things. Number one, that Jesus is the light that came into darkness, not us. Number two, that darkness wants to cover your light. And number three, that when we shine our light in darkness, God is glorified. And so if you'll please stand with me in the honor of reading of God's word. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. He says, you are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand, and it gives light for all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. May God add blessing to his word. You may be seated. So this brings us to our first point that Jesus is the light that came into darkness, not you. And so the first part of 14, it says, you are the light of the world. And so if we just kind of disconnect this from the overall teaching of the Bible and really what Jesus is trying to say and disconnect our light from Jesus, this can kind of become like a Disney movie labeled, you are the light of the world where Mickey Mouse comes around and he tells you how good you are and, you know, like, man, you just got to follow your heart and you just be you. You are the light of the world. But if we look at the Bible and its overall teaching and the overall context, apart from Christ, we are not called light. In fact, we are the exact opposite. We are dark. We are in darkness. Like the Bible says in Jeremiah about our hearts that our hearts are deceitful, and desperately wicked. In Genesis, it says that God looked upon humanity and saw that our only thoughts all of the time were only evil. Romans 3.23 says that we have all sinned 
and fallen short of the glory of God. Guys, we have all missed the mark. And so we are not light by ourselves. A light beca- we are only light because of Christ. And so we are not the light that necessarily shines in the darkness, again, apart from Christ. Jesus is the light that came into darkness. John chapter 12, verse 46, Jesus is speaking and he says this, I have come as light into the world so that everyone who believes in me would not remain in darkness. Luke chapter 1, verse 79, talking about Jesus, it says that he came to shine on those who live in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. John chapter 1, verse 5, speaking about Jesus, it says that light shines in the darkness, yet the darkness has not overcome it. You see, Jesus is the light of the world that came into the darkness. Jesus, as the light, came to our earth, and he did not find little lights just scattered around, and he just happened to gather them, and that became the church. No, all he found was darkness. That's all Jesus found. Yet, he did not look upon the darkness and just say, oh, gross, I'm staying away. And he also did not just look upon the darkness and just say, you're dark, you're dark, you're dark, you're dark. That stinks. I'm light. See ya. No, it says that Jesus came into the darkness, grabbed us out of the darkness, and brought us into his marvelous light. You know, we know John chapter 3, verse 16 very well, but what John chapter 3, verse 17 and 18 says this. It says that Jesus did not come into this world to condemn the world, but to save the world because we were already condemned. Again, Jesus came into this world that was already condemned in sin. And he did not just tell us we were condemned and leave us there. He told us what sin was, yes, but he also provided a way out through his light, through his mercy, through his grace. Jesus grabbed us in darkness and brought us into his light. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says, But you are a chosen race. This is speaking to the church. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession, so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So Jesus grabbed us from darkness. He brought us into his light and he gave us that same ministry to bring people from darkness to his light. But a lot of times as light bearers, as Christians, we don't always pursue people in their darkness, do we? In fact, we kind of do the opposite. We kind of run the other way. Like we hear people cussing on our kids' sports teams and instead of pursuing them with the light of Jesus Christ, what do we do? We kind of move down the bench a little bit further from that guy. Or in our neighborhoods, if we have neighbors that are throwing wild parties on weekends, instead of pursuing them with the light of Jesus Christ in their darkness, we just kind of stay in our homes and hope God, pray, we pray to God that they move out of our neighborhood. And in our workplaces, when we have coworkers that are talking about getting drunk or going around, sleeping around, or whatever it is, instead of pursuing them with the light of Jesus Christ, we just kind of keep to ourselves and hope that they don't talk to us. See, a lot of times when we see people in darkness, 
we almost treat them like they're sick, and we kind of run the other way. I grew up watching uh, the movies where, you know, there was a family and, and the, there was a monster that was coming to get them and it breaks into the house and it was in the living room. And usually these monsters have really good hearing. And so what happens is the family's in the closet and you know if they make a noise, that monster's going to come grab them. And how this movie, or all the movies always happen, it's like there's always a little girl that's starting to almost have to sneeze. And she's like... <laughs> And their family's like, no, please don't, like, don't sneeze, the monster's going to get us. And I've always wondered, if I was in this situation, would I be able to hold my sneeze in and save my entire family? And I always thought that I definitely could hold my sneeze in, but then March of 2020 happened, and it became completely taboo to sneeze in public. And I don't know what it is. I don't know if it was just because like I knew that I couldn't sneeze in Walmart now or if like the little tickle fairy came and started, you know, rubbing her wand all over my neck and my nose and just made me want to sneeze. But man, it happened every time I'd go into Walmart, even back then, March of 2020, with my mask on, people were all around and I'm like, oh gosh, I got to sneeze. I can't sneeze. I got to sneeze. I can't sneeze. And you know how it is. Like when you're trying to hold the sneeze in and then it comes out, it's like 10 times louder and so again, March 2020, everyone's nervous about this, and I'm like, can't sneeze. Ah, 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 chew! And what happens? Everyone back then looked at me like I had the plague, and they ran the other way. And a lot of times as Christians, we are like that when we see people in darkness or we see people sinning, we run the other way. But Jesus wasn't like that. He was the light that came into darkness. There's a passage in Matthew chapter 9 where Jesus is hanging out in a house, Matthew's house, and he's dining with tax collectors and sinners. We know through some other passages there most likely were uh, some women that were caught up into prostitution all in this house. The disciples were there, the Pharisees were there. And this isn't like a McDonald's, like a fast food kind of service thing. This is Middle Eastern culture in the first century where they are reclining at the dinner table. They're laying down. This is an intimate setting. It's not like, again, a 30-minute meal. This is like a a four-hour intimate setting. Jesus is in there with these kinds of people. And the Pharisees see this. Now, the Pharisees were the religious rulers of the day. They considered themselves to be the light of the world. And they look at Jesus, who's claiming to be the light of the world, and he's hanging out with all this darkness, and they ask his disciples, how can your teacher hang out with these kinds of people? And Jesus hears this, and in Matthew chapter 9, verse 12, this is what Jesus says. It says, but when Jesus heard this, he said, those who are well don't need a doctor, but the sick do. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I didn't come to call the righteous, but I came to save sinners. See, Jesus, he was the light that came into the darkness, grabbed us in our darkness, didn't leave us there, didn't sidestep our sin, but he grabbed us from our darkness and brought us into his glorious light. And as believers who now have the light of Christ in us, we are called to do the same. Which brings us to our second point, that darkness, our enemy, wants to cover our light. 
Matthew chapter 5, verse 15 says this. It says, no one like, excuse me, one second. Thank you. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand, and it gives light for all who are in the house. And so Jesus says, no one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. That would be silly. But that, what we have to understand about this is this is the goal of our enemy. The goal of darkness is to take a basket and to cover our light so that people cannot see that we have the light of Jesus Christ. That it is the goal of the enemy to not allow us to shine our light that we have. My mom was born in Venezuela, and uh, when I was uh, young enough where it was kind of still cute to lie, you know, I uh, would tell kind of tall tales to my friends to get them to like me or whatever. And so I'd always tell them the story about my mom growing up in Venezuela that, man, she found this cave that was so dark that the darkness, when you lit the lamp, it would actually cover that light, and it would extinguish the light. My friends were like, oh. I was like, yeah, in that cave, that's where my mom was born, right? (laughs) And it's all made up, right? And we know it's made up because physics tells us that all darkness is is just an absence of light, that light can never be covered up by darkness. But I don't necessarily think that this is a good analogy for our enemy, for the darkness that we see in the Bible. Do I believe that people that have the light can ever have darkness inside of them, like be possessed? Absolutely not. But I do believe that we have to see darkness as not just an absence of light biblically. We have to see it as an actual thing, an actual enemy. Like Satan is not just a figure. He is a real person. His demons are a real thing. In fact, the Bible says about Satan that he is prowling around like a lion looking for those that he may devour. And so our enemy is a very real enemy. And I love this, uh, this uh, sermon series that Pastor Brian has been going over because he talked a lot about what the spirit of an antichrist is. And we looked at how Jesus, really, his, his goal was to give us life and to give it in abundance. Therefore, the spirit of the antichrist, darkness, demons, the devil, what they want to do is take away that life. They want to steal from you. They want to kill your light, and they want to destroy the ministry that God has given you. That is their entire goal, is to take the basket and extinguish your light. And I think that we would be absolutely shocked to know how much demonic activity is around us on an everyday basis. And here's the thing, guys. We don't talk about this a lot because there has been a lot of abuse when it comes to the study of demons. Like we have fundamental churches way over here that, you know, are calling women witches and burning books. Then we have charismatic churches way over here that, man, if you have a headache, it's a demon that needs to be exercised. And so churches like us, like are pretty much in the middle, a lot of times we don't talk about these things. And if we don't have kind of a biblical understanding of how demonic activity might look in our lives, then we kind of just think of what demonic activity looks like in the movies and expect it to look like that. I grew up here in Weatherford from about age 12 on. And, you know, when I was about 12 years old, there was really nothing to do here in Weatherford, especially when it started getting dark and kind of cold around Halloween time. And so around Halloween time, me and my friends, we would find the parents that were the absolute leniest 
leanest, leanest, they would let you watch, you know, the scariest movies in their households. And we would go to their house every single Friday night. And what happens, and again, we find the movie that has the scariest, most demonic type stuff that is going on, and we would watch it, turn off all the lights, you know, cuddle up all together, and then what happens every time? The movie's getting scary, the priests are going, going through the windows or whatever, and someone pauses it and says, man, this is way too scary for me. And then I'm like, dude, you need to stop touching me, please. And my friend's like, I'm not touching you. You're like, yes, you are. He's like, no, you're touching me. I'm like, no, you're the one that's touching me. And he's like, no, I'm not touching you. And we're like, oh my gosh, who's touching us? It's the demons. And, the, and so a lot of times when we think about demonic activity, we only think about what we see in the movies But I think biblically what we see, if we understand that their goal is just simply to cover up our light, the demonic activity in our life might look a lot uh, more subtle than we would ever think as it draws us away from the ways of Christ, draws us away from the light of Jesus to cause us not to shine our light. So maybe demonic activity in your life looks less like room shaking and lights flickering, and it looks more like you devoting your life to your kids' sports teams rather than devoting your life to a church. Maybe demonic activity in your life looks less like things being thrown across the room, and it looks more like you becoming a disciple of a political party rather than a disciple of Jesus Christ. Maybe demonic activity looks less like little girls running down backwards down the steps and their heads spinning around and priests being thrown out the window. And it looks more like this. How many times, brothers, have you gone to read God's word And instead of getting in God's word, you've ended up looking at websites that you shouldn't be looking at on your phone for an hour. How many times, sisters, have you gone to read God's word and instead of reading God's word, you end up on social media comparing yourself to other women, your kids to other kids for an hour and a half? See, I think if We were down the street having coffee and some guy got out of his car and ripped off his shirt and started screaming in tongues. (laughs) We would just say that guy needs to go to the hospital and start sipping our drink again. And so I believe that demonic activity in our life, in our culture right now, looks a lot less like that and looks more like this. Subtle ways that The darkness is trying to pull you away from God's people, the church. Pull you away from God's word. Subtle, but strong. And I think that the more cognizant we are of the attacks from the enemy, the more that we know how to fight it. The more that we can pray before Sunday mornings. I mean, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you get in your biggest fights with your wife or your husband on Sunday mornings before you come to church or before big events at church or before big spiritual battles? How many times does your kids get sick the most on Wednesday nights or Sunday mornings or when you have small group? 
And so my family, we have begun to pray before these things happen. God, please protect us from the attacks from the enemy. Please, God, let us shine your light. Please protect us from the devices of the evil one. We must be cognizant of how our enemy works so that we can pray against it. Because the enemy wants to cover your light. Because the enemy knows what happens when we shine the light of Jesus in our communities. That brings us to our third and last point. That when we shine our light, God is glorified. Jesus says again in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, he says this, In the same way, let your light shine before men, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. And I love this verse because one, it says, let your good works be seen. Did you know that the Bible says in Ephesians that our good works were actually predestined before the formation of the earth? That God had predestined you to have good works that are seen in the community. And when we show those good works, when we are, when we are good to people around us, when we live obedient lives to Jesus and we let, let our light shine, The promise here is not that people would see us and see our good works and praise us or praise our church. What does it say? It says, let people see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. And so when we let our light shine that Jesus has provided through the Holy Spirit in us, people see that and again, they don't say, oh man, that guy is just so awesome. Or man, look at that church. That church is so great. They might come to church. They might be blessed by a church, and that's awesome. But ultimately, who are they praising? They're praising God in heaven. And that is so much more powerful than us being praised, than our church being praised. When people give glory to our Father, that is what will change lives. There's a group from our church that wanted to uh, let their light shine in our community, and uh, they did one of the only things that they could think of, which was buy God's chicken and give God's chicken out to people at red lights. And so you can read the sign, God's chicken is Chick-fil-A, that's right. And so um, they went out to a busy red light, had these chicken minis inside. It wasn't just, you know, it wasn't just chicken sandwiches, it was chicken minis that has, you know, honey drizzle on it, Yes getting hungry right now. And so uh, they went to a red light. When people stopped at a red light, they'd go right there and say, hey, we just wanted to show you that God loves you and show it to you in a very tangible way today. And they would give people free chicken minis in their car. And after this outreach, we got a letter from a lady and she said this. She said, Saturday, I was on my way to the cemetery to view the newly placed headstone of a recently departed loved one. The process of loss has been difficult And I have second-guessed the existence of God many times during this process. On this day, I was at a stoplight, and someone handed me Chick-fil-A. Something that may seem simple and mundane had a huge impact on me. I believe God reached out to this day through your thoughtfulness to remind me that he is always with me. I wanted you to know, especially the children that were there this day, that even the simplest things you do in life can have an impact on people. Thank you so much for your gift. I cried the entire way to the gravesite and continued for several hours after. I cannot wait to pay it forward this coming week. 
You see this woman who was at least experiencing temporary atheism, questioning the existence of God, received a free gift from someone in our church that was just trying to be the light in a dark world. And she received this gift. And did you see who she did not praise? I mean, she said the children were cool. That that was great to see. But she didn't say, man, those people that gave me the gift, that was just so awesome. She didn't say, oh, your church is just so wonderful. Who did she say? She said, I believe God reached out to this day through your thoughtfulness. See, guys, when we understand that we are not the light, but Jesus is, and we reflect the light and the teaching and being obedient to Christ around others, even in dark times like we are in today, people will see that light and they will give glory to our Father in heaven. If you're out there today and you've never come to a place where you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, like I said early on in the sermon, the Bible says that there are not enough good works that we can do by ourselves. There's not enough light that we can conjure up by ourselves to ever be saved because we are dark apart from Christ. The Bible says in Romans 6.23 that the wages of our sin is death. But it ends that verse with the, the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. So here in a second, we're going to give you an opportunity to come to the place in your life where you admit that you are a sinner, that you tell God that you believe that Jesus was his son, that he lived a perfect life without sin on this earth, that he died on the cross for your sins and for my sins and that he rose from the dead three days later, and then that you're going to confess that he is the Lord of your life and say, God, I no longer want to live in darkness, but I want to turn to you and follow in your footsteps. You're going to repent from the way I've been living. So like I said, if you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, I'm going to pray a model prayer which is just a simple prayer that you can put in your own words or you can repeat the exact words after me. And this is just a prayer telling the Lord, telling Jesus that I want you to come into my heart and be my Lord and my Savior. So if that's for you today, if I could have every head bowed and every eye closed, and if you've never done that and you would like to today, you can repeat this prayer after me. God, I realize that I have sinned and that I have fallen short of your perfection. But God, I believe that even though I'm a sinner, that you sent Jesus to this earth. I believe that he lived a perfect life without sin. I believe that he died on the cross for my sins. God, I believe that you that he raised, was raised from the dead three days later. And Jesus, I'm asking you to come into my life, to forgive me of my sins, and to become my Lord and my Savior. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you said that prayer for the very first time today, would you just indicate that by looking up at me? If you said that prayer for the very first time, would you indicate that by looking up at me? See? 
whether you're watching online or you are in person and you prayed that prayer to receive Christ as your Lord and your Savior, we would love to know that. So there's a couple different ways. There's a, a number on the screen that you can text or even do a QR code. If you're in person, there's a QR code in your bulletin that you can let us know as well. We're not going to ask anything of you. We're not even going to ask that you join our church. But we want to meet with you and just help you understand what it means to be obedient to Jesus from here on out. What it means to look like the light of the world. For those of us that are in here and online that are already Christians, let's be praying for ways that God can reveal to us how darkness has maybe got a hold of us in some aspects of our life. And pray for God to show us how we can better be light in a very dark time. God, we thank you for today, Lord. We thank you that in many ways our church is shining your light in many different domains in our society, God. We pray for the communities that were affected by such a dark thing this week. We pray that you'll send many light bearers to be around that situation. God, we love you. We thank you that we were able to come here today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Sermon Audio Podcast from Greenwood Baptist Church in Weatherford, Texas. You can find links to topics and scriptures discussed in this episode by looking at the show notes. You can find more information online at greenwood.church. If you have any questions or comments, please send an email to info at greenwoodbc.com.